Stephen Colbert, host of The Late Show, recently had a ruptured appendix and had to put his show on hiatus. Well, that's what we're being told by the mainstream media, but is the real story far more disturbing? And then we meet Nina the dog, a lovable puppy who's 15 years old. She's on her last legs, and those legs are crippled by arthritis. But while Nina's family gathers around her on her last night, praying for a miracle that'll save her from being euthanized in the morning, little do they know that those prayers may actually be intercepted by an alien life form. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. We got a ton of stuff to cover today. So first off, running into Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Rico in Acapulco. Woohoo, yeah! <laughs> yeah, Rico's running in. He's running in doing jumping jacks. Rico, Rico, Rico was one of our... Donators, Rico donated some money during the Thanksgiving live stream that we did, the Dead Rabbit Radio Thanksgiving live stream. So thank you so much for that donation. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't make a financial contribution through the Patreon or merch store or anything like that, that's fine. It truly is. It really is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so, so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Rico, let's go ahead and get this party started. (laughs) Sorry, buddy. Sorry you ended up on this episode. I got a lot of names on this list, and uh, the duty fell to you. Rico, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to a new vehicle I just came up with. (laughs) It might suck. I I literally just popped in my head. Rico, let's get on board, put on our army helmets. We're climbing inside the bunny battle tank. <laughs> what do tanks sound like? <laughs> like, Jason, please, don't ever do that vehicle again. Rico, don't, this is the last time. Crash the tank, crash the tank. We're all inside the bunny battle tank. Rico, drive us all the way out, too. Guam. I don't think I can that. That's it. That's the last time we'll ever use the tank. Well, anyways, we end up in Guam. Now you're thinking, Jason, this is interesting because you said in the intro your first story was about Stephen Colbert, host of The Late Show, and his ruptured appendix. I saw the news. It was horrible. Anyone who has <laughs> anything that ruptures in your body is bad. And I was worried about the guy, but why are we in Guam? Is that where his hospital is at? Is that where he's being treated for his ruptured appendix? And I'm just kind of looking at you, and I'm like... See, this is the problem with people who listen to the mainstream media. This is a problem for people who only get their news from everywhere else. Every legitimate news source. No! That's the problem. That was actually a cover story. Did you know that Stephen Colbert did not have a ruptured appendix? He didn't have a ruptured anything. He was actually arrested. This is breaking news, if you didn't know this. Stephen Colbert was arrested for being a pedophile. <laughs> a pedophile. Now, I'll, I'll add allegedly. Because <laughs> you could get sued. But I'm just saying, according to sources, Stephen Colbert is currently in a prison in Guam for being a pedophile. This is the breaking news coming out of the news website. You know it's news because their name has the word news in it. Real Raw News. Real Raw News. You go, Jason, you just covered these guys like 10 episodes ago. I had to check. Yes, you're right. And I'm trying not to beat a dead horse, but this is breaking news. Because right now, Stephen Colbert is in a jail in Guam. How could I let this story pass up? We're going to take a look at this news story from Real Raw News. 
And I, I want you to keep something in mind, because I always mention this at the end of the segment. I'm going to say it up front this time. Real Raw News is a quote-unquote news website that has all... We've done a ton of episodes on them over the years. Uh, the greatest hits, Hillary Clinton, Adrenochrome Attic, was um, taken to Guantanamo Bay and hung in front of a very somber Donald Trump, who is still the President of the United States, and him and the White Hats are waging a war against the deep state. Joe Biden is either a hologram, a clone, or a actor who, like an anvil dropped on his head and he shrunk three inches, and now he's the size of Joe Biden. It's weird. And uh, it's all weird. <laughs> it's not like this next one's going to be any less weird. My favorite currently is... Uh, who was the vice president? Who was Donald Trump's vice president? Pence, Mike Pence. Mike Pence and his Asian gay lover had a shootout with the Marines, and it ended with Mike Pence on an ATV driving out into the wilderness. That's just the best visual. <laughs> I just find that amazing. Here's the thing. I find these storylines absolutely compelling. They're hilarious. But this website... I've always said they make $20,000 a month or $20,000 every two months. I was wrong. Right now, they're sitting on about $174,000 in donations this year alone. $174,000 in donations. There is an army of people who believe all of this stuff is real. Because you can read it in the comments and you can read it in the money that they're sending to the site. So keep that in mind as we take a look at November 2023, we are Marines and we're guarding Stephen Colbert. <laughs> I just don't want to be part of this story. You're just like walking off duty. I'm like, he's AWOL. Go get him. Go get him. Put him in the cell next to Colbert. We're standing outside. We're keeping guard of Stephen Colbert's interrogation cell. Michael Baxter, he writes these narrative. So it's not just like he's reporting a story. I'm going to read you some of this stuff. Stephen Colbert is arrested for pedophilia, is the setup to this story. And he's taken to Camp Blaws in Guam. Apparently there's a Marine base there that Donald Trump still has control over. And in this story, they take Stephen Colbert when they arrest him, he is given, quote, an incredibly invasive body cavity search. Unquote. Like, why did you have that in there? Because <laughs> it didn't happen. It's not real. It's not real. So imagine Michael Baxter, when he's writing this, when he's making this up, he has this visual. You're like, Jason, please don't say what you're about to say. He has this visual of Stephen Colbert being dragged away by the Marines and then being thrown down on a table and his pants pulled down. And then them sticking fingers <laughs> at least right could get worse could get way worse into his butthole that's what he means when he's saying an incredibly invasive body cavity search he doesn't mean they put a little little tongue depressor in stephen colbert's mouth it means that one or more marines stuck their fingers up stephen's butthole why would you write that why would you want that visual in anybody's head it's so weird. Now, I get it, right? Stephen Pay is a pedophile. I'm not saying that that's great at all. Allegedly, that he does those things. But you know what I mean? Like, this is the mind of Michael Baxter. He And the people who read this, I mean, like, I read it. I check the website every so often, probably more than I should, because it's hilarious. But people who are into this are like, yeah, he deserves that. He deserves three fingers up his tight little butthole. Like, who... Is it who's the intended audience for this? It's perverts. It's perverts, Michael. I'm not calling you a pervert. But, uh, but let's continue to read this article, because why would you include that detail unless you were trying to get a rise out of your audience one way or the other? Stephen Colbert, <laughs> no one's listening to this podcast. They're like, nope, that dog story sounded cute, but I'm done. You're trying to find the fast forward button. Stephen Colbert one or more Marines sticking one or more fingers up his single butthole. He is then dragged to this interrogation room where we are told that he is made to sit in a child-sized... You're like, oh, I'm so glad he added that second part. 
I thought he's just going to have to sit inside a child. Uh, Stephen Colbert is forced to sit in a, quote, child-sized chair. A chair made for a kid, right? And you imagine this interrogation room. You got the table. You have Stephen Colbert sitting on a smaller chair. And the interrogator comes and sits in a normal adult chair. And Stephen Colbert, of course, you know, he would ask. He's like, I just didn't have my butthole penetrated. Could I get a more comfortable chair? And the interrogator then says, quote. This is an exact quote from what this interrogator said. None of this is made up. This is Michael Baxter says this is the truth. Quote. Do you think we brought you all the way here to make you comfortable? Stephen Detainee Colbert. And about the chair. It's a kid's chair. You like kids, don't you, Detainee? I figured it was fitting. Like, what? (laughs) Even if he is a pedophile, he could go, well, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's, we don't want to sit in their chairs. I don't want to, you know, I, this is uncomfortable. You're right. You're right about the other stuff. But why would you make that up? They have this, again, this, I just imagine like Stephen Colbert sitting in this tiny plastic chair. And that doesn't even make sense. You're a pedophile. That means you like all kid things. By the way, here's a yo-yo. Here is Coco Melon on Netflix. He's like, what? I hate all this stuff. We are then told that the interrogator has a bunch of photographs of Stephen Colbert fondling children. (laughs) It's definitely not on YouTube, this episode. It's probably not even legal to talk about all this stuff. I'm going to get sued for slander. The interrogator throws down a pile of photographs of Stephen Colbert fondling children on Epstein Island. That's the connection, because you're like, (laughs) I was wondering where he was doing this. Was he doing this in Manhattan, just walking down the street? Uh, Stephen Pedophile, Stephen Pedophile, <laughs> Stephen Colbert went to Epstein Island, fondled these kids, and this interrogator has all these photos. How he got the photos, why he carries them around in his pocket, who knows, right? <laughs> Only the mind of Michael Baxter. Maybe he got him out of evidence before the interrogation, but I like to think this interrogator is a huge pervert as well. He throw <laughs> watch these people be real, watch all these stories be real, and I end up in some cell. The interrogator's like, you think it's funny? You think things are funny? Well, I'm gonna make you sit in a clown-sized chair. It's this giant chair. I'm like, no! And then I go, oh, this is actually kind of funny and comfortable. Throws down all these pictures. He goes, Stephen, you're done for. It's so interesting because Stephen Colbert starts saying, you can't do this to me. Like, they dragged him out of his house... And all the appendix stuff that you're seeing on the news is to cover for the fact that Stephen Colbert got dragged out of his house by the Marines. In the middle of the night, stuck a bunch of fingers up his butthole, took him, made him sit in a child-sized chair. And he goes, I have rights. I'm an American citizen. You actually can't do this to me. And the interrogator goes, we can. You don't have any rights. And I'm reading this and I'm like, (laughs) Stephen Colbert is right on this one. He is an American citizen. doesn't matter what the crime you commit is. Even if you commit treason, if you're not a member of the armed forces, there is a trial that you have to go through. You have rights. You can get a lawyer. It was so weird for a second. I myself, I mean, he is a pedophile. I don't want to take a sight too much during this story, but I was reading. I was like, Michael Baxter, he, he's right. Even in your made-up world, You've admitted you can't do this. This is completely illegal. You just can't kidnap him. But the interrogator goes, and this is where the bombshell really drops, right? There's a plot twist coming up here. Because it's not just that Stephen Colbert is accused of being a pedophile. That's bad enough. That's not all. Also, this is the plot twist. Also, the reason why the interrogator, because he's like, you're already guilty. We have these photos of you. But the reason why you're in here and we're not hanging you right away like we did your pal Hillary Clinton is because we know about your underground bunker in New Zealand. (laughs) So so I was like, okay, I don't know where this is going now. Stephen Colbert apparently has an underground bunker in New Zealand. And at at this point, Stephen Colbert is sweating heavily because he knows where this is going. The interrogator goes, not only do you have an underground ground bunker in New Zealand, but it's full of blonde-haired, blue-eyed children. They're trapped in your underground compound, and we know you took them there, but we don't know where the bunker is. So tell us where the bunker is so we can rescue these children. And Colbert's like, no, 
No, I'll never do it. I don't know why not. <laughs> He's already in jail. And at that point, you're like, okay. Yeah, go ahead. I'll tell you where the bunker is. Because the interrogator says, if you tell me where the bunker is, we'll put you in a, quote-unquote, more comfortable jail. <laughs> Human-sized furniture. But if you don't tell me where the children is, and again, this leaves the audience on a note, on a very whimsical yet terrifying note because you, know, you got to keep the money coming in right you got to keep these people this audience hyped up for this stuff it says the, the interrogator says quote when you leave this room you're headed to one of two places one is comfortable so as far as jails go the other i swear to god you will defile yourself when you see it and you will pray to whatever deity you worship that you were more cooperative than you've been. But there are no second chances. The ultimatum only fueled Colbert's belligerence. Colbert was taken to the mainstream media jail. He's been screaming in terror ever since. People love this stuff. People think this is real and what's so interesting is i had seen the article about Stephen colbert having the burst appendix i don't want i used to watch Stephen colbert on the comedy central i watch that show all the time but late night i don't watch that show but when i saw he had a burst appendix i was like ow that sucks i didn't click on the article i just read the headline went about my day now what's super interesting is that th just so we're clear this story is not true <laughs> so you're like oh no the mainstream media jail poor steven the story's made up and i'm wondering if michael baxter what's how does the mind of a guy who runs this website work when he saw that happen in the news that he immediately craft this narrative because now people are going, well, oh, it's just a cover story. He's not actually has a ruptured appendix. Well, he might after the very intensive body cavity search, but it's the cover because he was arrested and they'll have to figure out something to do with the show. And when you read the comments, a lot of people are like, well, maybe the show's not coming back. And then other people go, oh, no, 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 the show will come back on, but it'll be a clone. And I did check it before going to air. The show is coming back in a couple days. I'm recording this on Sunday. It'll be back on tomorrow night. But see, that's the perfect thing about this setup. Because you've introduced the idea of clones into this mythology that Michael Baxter has created. Now, I'll be honest. There, there, could, be, there could be clones out there. I'm not going to say that cloning technology isn't possible. But in this world where you can have an adult clone walk out of a cloning center, when the celebrity that you just said is screaming in terror in a prison cell in Guam, then shows up... <laughs> Bunch of smiles, bunch of smiles. He's dancing for the late show. That is a clone because that's the only way you could. You couldn't be like, oh, we decided to let him go. He told us where the New Zealand kids were. Uh, bygones be bygones. We let him out. No, you've created this narrative where you have a clone. I did think this was particularly interesting. I do read this website, this one, because the 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 torture involved in it. The torture involved in it. We had comments like this. I thought this was really interesting. Uh, there was a bunch of these, but I thought this was the one that kind of summed everything up. This was from someone named Sean W. Um, upon this is the this is the comment. Upon reading this article, I found myself even more curious about what's behind all the screaming in the new facility where Colbert found himself. Michael, if you could get a graphic description of the new facility. For media folks, so that we can better appreciate the experience of terror that people like Colbert witness when they go there. It may well be very enriching to those of us who must participate from armchairs. That's creepy. That's really creepy. Because... Michael Baxter, you know, he said my he almost got sued by Bill Gates because he kept saying Bill Gates was a pedophile, was uh, doing all sorts of stuff, right? <laughs> I've done episodes on it. I'll put all these episodes in the show notes. So then he's like, this website is satire. He has that on his website, but it's you just by saying it's satire is the same thing like saying I'm going to kill a bunch of people in Minecraft. It doesn't work. It, it doesn't actually work as a valid defense. And definitely the readers don't see it as satire. 
he's making this stuff up and people are believing it's true and whatever that's fine but this there's a level like he's saying i can't do any of this i'm participating from my armchair i have to live vicariously through you so please include graphic descriptions that would make these people scream in terror every day now to be honest i don't want to hear that about anybody whether or not i agree with them or or if they've committed a horrific crime like jeffrey Dahmer ate a bunch of people i didn't want him to have a broomstick broken up inside his butthole and killed that way that was horrible it was a horrible way to go now he's no saint he didn't murder a bunch of people and he was trying to build a human robot he was giving them lobotomies trying to turn it into a living sex slave. I still don't think he deserved that. Now, imagine if that was every day. Imagine if every single day you're screaming and I don't want to know, even if I I disagree with him politically, especially if it's just something like that, or if it's something that they've done horribly. I don't want to know that they're going through torment every single day for the rest of their life. That's just a little heavy for me, maybe. (laughs) But this guy does. He wants to know what it's like. And it'd be one thing to know what it's like to say as a warning to the rest of the mainstream elite, this is what's going to happen to you. But no, it's so, he can be very enriching to those of us, him, who participate from armchairs. And the thing is, is like a, a gentleman like this, he may just live vicariously through this website. These are also the guys who could say, you know what, I'm done participating from the armchairs. It's time to take out a judge. It's time to fight the deep state myself. I got to be part of it. Because, again, you're thinking that this war is going on right now between the White Hats and President Donald Trump and then the deep state and President Joe Biden. All these clones and sci-fi weapons and Fauci jumping out of a cloning center and getting blown to pieces. All sort of Mike Pence running around on an ATV. And then you go, you know what, I'm tired of just sitting on the sidelines, this war is for humanity. I'm going to go out and I'm going to blow up a federal building. I'm not saying Michael Baxter wants that at all. I, I don't, I think Michael Baxter's just in it for the money and the fun, because it's definitely a cool sci-fi concept. But when you have people go and tell us in detail how these people are being tortured every minute of their life, because I don't get to be there torturing them. I have to sit here at home. So tell me in graphic detail what's going on how long does it take for that person goes from the armchair to the harm chair <laughs> i didn't know i didn't know how to finish that but that was good harm chair and what's funny is every time i cover these guys i'm thinking jason you're really rattling a you're really rattling a possible hornet's nest um but uh Someone has to get the story out about Stephen Colbert being a pedophile. Someone has to break that news to the rest of the world. Rico and Acapulco, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carboner Copter. We are leaving behind Guam. Fly us all the way out to a veterinarian's office. It's early 2012, and we're standing in this veterinarian's office. We got on. I don't know how veterinarians dress. Do they have, like, the white lab coats like other doctors? They're walking around. They're just walking around in white lab coats, probably. And we're standing in front of this dog. We're standing in front of this 15-year-old dog named Nina. And Nina's laying on the table. We're just kind of, like, poking it. Poking it with, like, medical stuff. <laughs> microscope. I'm all poking it with microscope. I'm like, ah, it's sick. That's my official decision. Me as a veterinarian, it's sick. And the family's like, we know it's sick. That's why we brought it to you. We're about to meet Ray and Dulce Hernandez. Husband and wife. And they've had this dog, Nina, for 15 years. And they're watching it. Just kind of lay on the table and its little paws are just kind of going. And the dog looks up every once in a while and goes. And I go, did you hear that? Did you hear that? This dog is clearly sick. My official diagnosis is that it has catastrophic arthritis. It's poor legs hurt to move, to even exist. This dog is on its last leg, and no pun intended, as I'm elbowing you, you're like, Jason, take the story a little seriously. Okay, 
So, yes, your dog is super sick. Very, very painful to walk, I imagine. <laughs> I'm all picking it up, and I'm like, look, here's the simulation. It's all, ah, barking. Okay, okay. I'll put him back down. Also, I've noticed that not only does it have a lot of arthritis, more so than it should, it also has heart problems and some problems with its kidneys. So, I mean, even with the arthritis, we could probably, like, give it, like, <laughs> robot legs? Is that something? Is that something vets can do? Is there a cybernetics division? I mean, if you had massive arthritis in your legs, I could cut all the legs off and then put you on a skateboard. <laughs> put you on a skateboard. Duct tape you. And just roll you around the house. You'd be fine. But also with the heart problems and the kidney problems, and it's a 15-year-old dog, I suggest that we euthanize it. You're like... Pick the dog up and run out. You're like, that guy's talking about skateboards and cybernetics. I don't know if he's the best veterinarian in town, but their real veterinarian does say, I think we should euthanize it. I think Nina has lived a good life, but it's time to put her down. And we should do it tomorrow. You guys can have one more good night with Nina. But it's time to say goodbye. That's all on March 3rd, 2012. Well, the decline in health had been gradual. They had had many veterinarian visits up to this point, but it was on March 3rd, the veterinarian goes, look, she can't even move now. She just kind of lays there and lifts her head up and kind of barks a bit and then just lays back down. At this point, the dog is suffering more than is needed. Um, let's euthanize her tomorrow. And Ray, this is a decision that you would have to make at a certain point. I know a lot of people who have done this. I've had to do it. And there's, you, you understand it. You understand it. Ray is, while he's not fine with it, that's not the right way to put it. He understands that this is the natural course of things. Dulce, his wife, does not want to do it. She does not want to do it. She really in her heart believes that miracles can happen. So she begins praying, praying over little Nina laying on the ground for a miracle, for healing, for God and the angels to intervene to save Nina's life. And that is also tragic in its own way. Because I'm sure Ray, while he wasn't like a hardcore atheist, you would be watching your wife pray over this dog. And yeah, we believe in miracles, but, you know, it's just going to break my wife's heart more tomorrow morning when something doesn't descend from the sky and save this dog. March 4th, 2012. Six in the morning, Ray opens his eyes and he hears. They had Nina in their room, which would make sense. <laughs> the dog can't go anywhere. You'd want to keep him, keep her pretty close to you. They had Nina sleeping in their room. They had a two-story house. And Ray's asleep and Nina's roof, 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 just barking. And Ray's like, oh, man, six in the morning. And he feels his wife wake up, get out of bed, hears her scoop up Nina off the ground, and start walking downstairs. Goes back to sleep. A few minutes later, he hears Dulce. Downstairs, screaming out, Ray! Ray! Come down here! Come down here, quick! Come down here! And he's like, no, he ignored her. He's like, I'm still sleeping. Ray! Come on! Get down here! Get down here! And he just wants to sleep. Then he hears her running up the stairs... And begins to physically wake him up. Wake up, Ray. Wake up. You've got to see this. Come downstairs. He's like, what in the world's going on? Trying to sleep. 
Figures it's something dog-related, right? Booped all over the ground. One last gift for the family. Dulce wakes Ray up and pulls him out of bed, and they both start walking down the stairs. And as Ray is walking down the stairs, he sees on the floor there is Nina completely paralyzed. Like, it's she's not moving at all. She's just laying there completely paralyzed, and he's probably like, oh my god, Like, did they have a heart attack in the middle of the night? Like, what happened? And he's walking down the stairs, and he sees Nina laying on the ground, and he sees his wife walk over to Nina, and they both vanish. And he stops. He stops his descent down the stairs, and you're just kind of like, what in the world just happened? And that's when he sees this object appear. He said it was a three-foot-wide, multi-colored, translucent rectangle. And it's hovering around four feet off the ground. This is one of the things I love about these type of stories, the multi-colored, translucent. So it's not one or the other. It's this weird combination of visual tricks, visual sensations, multicolored, translucent, rectangular objects floating four feet off the ground. And he goes, I immediately got tunnel vision. He goes, I could see nothing else in the room except this object. My eyes were locked on it. And then I turned around. Walked up the stairs. Went to sleep. Forty-five minutes later, he wakes up. He's laying in bed and he goes, what? Wait, wait, what am I doing here? Where's my wife? What, what happened? He realizes 45 minutes has passed. The last thing he remembers is following his wife downstairs, them disappearing, seeing this object, and then walking back up. And as he's trying to figure out exactly what's going on, he said, I felt really groggy. He believes that this thing, which he dubbed a plasma energy being, being as in like living thing, not beam as in being, controlled him made him walk back upstairs and go to sleep. And it was almost like he could feel the control mechanism disappearing at this point. He goes, I saw everything when I walked upstairs. I remember all that stuff. But he goes, I was not in control of my own actions. It was the plasma energy being. Whatever this thing was down there, it wanted me to leave. And it did it in a nice enough way. I got 45 more minutes of sleep. But now that this control had been removed, he ran downstairs, and as he's coming down the stairs, he sees Dulce clapping her hands, dancing, as Nina is jumping around, hopping, barking, healed. And he starts walking down the few remaining stairs, and he's like, it's like a puppy. Like, physically, it's still Nina. Physically, it's still this old dog, but the exuberance that Nina had was just, she wanted to be everywhere. She wanted to climb over everything. She just wanted to play and be snuggled and loved and return that love. And and Ray's like, what happened? Not that he didn't love it, <laughs> And he's like, oh, dang it. I really wanted that euthanasia today. How did this happen? Remember earlier when Nina was barking in the room and you wouldn't wake up, you were pretending to be asleep? So I woke up and I scooped up Nina and I carried her down the stairs. I figured she needed to go outside to go to the bathroom. I figured that's why she was barking. So I go downstairs and I'm going to take her through the living room, out into the courtyard. And that's when I saw this three-foot-wide 
silver inverted horseshoe floating about four feet off the ground. It was an angel, Ray. I don't know why it looked like a horseshoe. I don't know. I can't explain that. But I knew in my heart it was an angel, and I fell to my knees, and I gently placed Nina on the ground and said, Please save my dog. Please heal Nina. Then I remember uh, calling for you to come downstairs, and then I had to run up there and get you. And I don't remember anything else. I, I remember that. I remember putting Nina down and running up the stairs to get you. And then we came back downstairs. The next thing I remember, me and Nina were dancing. So while he was asleep for 45 minutes, Dulce had zero memory of what happened in those 45 minutes as well. When she disappeared, she does not remember what happened. She had lost time, and he technically had lost time as well. He was just, he was just sleeping during it. She saw an inverted silver horseshoe. Same dimensions. Same width. I guess I should be specific talking about paranormal when I say dimensions. Same width, same hovering off the ground that Ray had seen, but they're seeing two different objects, which is absolutely fascinating. We'll get into that in a second. But they, and remember, they did have a euthanasia scheduled. They um, take the dog back to the vet, and Nina's... Happy as a clam, walking around. The vet's like, wait a second, is this the same dog you brought us? All these years, right? All these other little problems she had, and then the past couple months it's been getting worse, and is this the dog? Is this Nina? And they go, it is. And they, he goes, they go, do you know why she's like this? Could this be something that happens? And the vet's like, No. Dogs don't magically get healed. And Ray and Dulce kind of look at each other because they didn't haven't mentioned anything about aliens or angels or anything. The vet goes, I've never seen anything like this. Did you guys start doing something different? And Ray goes, well, uh, maybe it took a while, but we did change her diet a while back. So maybe she's just like feeling better and from eating better. And the vet is like, uh, well, I mean, again, what are you feeding her? Superman guts or something like that. I mean, like, this is a brand new dog. Well, the vet goes, as far as I can tell, I don't know if the vet did a full checkup. I don't know if he did a full checkup, but anyways, they don't euthanize. That would be a full twist, right? They're like, well, we already paid $300 for this. They end up taking Nina home, and for the next year, Nina had a perfectly healthy life. None of the health problems that had plagued her previously were there. But like the great Kermit the Frog once said, Life is made up of meetings and partings. Everything must eventually move on. And Nina had another great year of life, but the last two weeks of her life, she got sick. And this time, Ray and Dulce, they were so thankful for the extra year that they got with a very healthy, energetic Nina that... The last two weeks, she got really sick. They did euthanize her then. They had her put down. After Nina was you put to sleep. Is that the term? Euthanize, I think, usually is with humans. But after they put Nina to sleep, I don't know if they did it immediately afterwards. <laughs> they might have waited a bit, but... After it had happened, Ray and Dulce did tell the vet. They go, hey, you know, um, this is such a weird story. We didn't really know how to bring it up before. But remember how Nina was on death's door a year ago? Um, we told you it was a change in diet. Uh, that's not what happened. Um, they told him then the story about the visitor who came to their house, this visitor. And they said that Ray goes, he was the one who was telling this story. He actually wrote a book. He, he wrote a whole book, uh, not just about this, but I thought this was interesting. The book is called Beyond UFOs, The Science of Consciousness and Contact with Non-Human Intelligence. And it's a book about this 
whole phenomenon, not just this particular story, but the phenomenon in general. I found out about it from anomalien.com. I wanted to give them a shout out, and then I was looking at the book. But So Ray said, we told the vet what had happened, and as we're telling him, we can see in his eyes that he thinks we're crazy. So we finished the story, changed the subject, and he never asked us about it ever again. And he goes, that's what normally happens. He goes, we had told friends about this story as well. And he goes, normally they just think we're crazy, but they're too polite to say anything. So we just ignore that an alien intelligence healed Nina. And I think this story is fascinating on multiple levels. One, we have the typical Dead Rabbit Radio thing that I like to talk about. Like the theory of observation behind it. The idea that you have two people with two sets of beliefs. Uh, Dulce is a devout Catholic. They don't necessarily state what Ray's religious affiliation is. He might be Catholic, but there is a difference between a devout Catholic and a Catholic. And he may have not even been a Catholic, but I think it's interesting that you have people with different belief systems viewing it as two different things. They both say the same object. It's the same. That's what's so interesting about it. It's the same width. It's the same distance it's hovering off the ground, but two people seeing the same thing, your belief system will change that. And I've talked about that a lot on this show. I don't think it is 100% of the time, but you could have someone who is a devout, devoutly religious person go into a house where there is a ghost and they may see it as more of a demon. They may see it as more of a negative thing. You may have someone who doesn't believe in ghosts at all not see anything. You may see a paranormal researcher go in there and see it as a shadowy silhouette standing over by the bookcase. And we don't talk about that a lot in um, ghost research. I think that the observer can view different things. Now, see, that's why it's so interesting when there's audio or stuff getting thrown around the room. If a teacup is coming at you, doesn't matter what threw it, you're going to get hit in the face with a teacup, whether you're a believer or not. But as far as actually viewing the phenomenon, people may see different things, which would definitely, you would interpret all the other evidence you look at differently if you saw this versus you saw that. So, interesting. But also, I think this story, I had a couple different stories recently and i kind of wanted to talk about the same thing and i kind of settled on this story there is a tragic element to stories like this it's a beautiful story about a family who didn't want to let go of their lovable puppy who would and in the end they get one more year with nina that's a beautiful story but when i read stories like this I do think in the back of my head, what about everybody else? What about everybody else? Um, I've come across a lot of these stories lately, and like I said, I this was the one I landed on to tell you guys. They all come into this same type of thing, though. Somebody being saved at the last minute. Or a Mandela effect, shifting someone to a world where an old friend they had is still alive. While in the world they previously inhabited, they had passed away. And they're shocked by this. I actually might tell that story at some point because I find that one interesting as well. But it doesn't happen to everybody. In fact, I would argue it happens mostly the bad way. I would argue that 99.99999% of all animals that get euthanized Probably nine to go on for a long way on this one. You get one story like this. In fact, actually, that's funny that I say that. Anom Alien, this was an article written by Jake Carter. He said, uh, quote, According to UFOologist Preston Dennett, the case of the dog Nina is only the fourth case known in UFOlogy of UFOs curing animals. Then it goes on to say, Other cases involve an injured rooster, that was healed by strange rays of light, and two dogs that became much more energetic and lively after the sighting of the UFO. That's it. Out of all the sick animals and dying animals 
out there four cases of UFOs, aliens healing these animals. And it's so funny, too. I kind of put my cards on the table. I don't necessarily, I don't know. I don't know what this entity was. And I understand the power of prayer. But it's so, I think this is probably more alien. I, I, I just feel that way. I don't have any proof to back that up. And maybe maybe the proof is is that I know people who have begged weeping tears over dying loved ones for them to be saved. I've watched that happen. And nothing changes. The people die. And the tears just flow and flow and flow for years. And I wonder... And I think this is a, a big question of just faith in the universe. Why some people get rescued, but most people don't. And I think this was the perfect story to, to kind of encapsulate that because we're dealing with a dog that is healed by some sort of entity. But on that same day that Nina was bouncing around, dancing, all across the country, other dogs, cats, lovable animals were being euthanized. Hit by cars. You know, I could go on and on. I'm not going to be too downer. But you know what I mean? But then that's my limited human understanding. I, 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 When I think of death, I think of it as a physical end. I don't think of it as a spiritual end, but I don't know. And no matter what, if I get to spend the rest of eternity with all the pets I love so much, um, I miss them right now. You could tell someone, well, you know, yeah, that dog was really dope, but don't worry, Joey, when you're dead, (laughs) he's like, what, I'm going to die too? I'm only seven. This is the first time I've ever had to comprehend this. When you die, uh, your dog will be up there waiting for you. Well, that's comfortable in a sense, but I want him now. But you don't get him. Joey. You don't get that orb of light. It's it's fascinating. And I I think it's just I, I, I'm almost speechless, really. I find this topic, this particular story, so intriguing because of that thing. I'm not saying, well, if my dog can't survive, then none of them can. I'm all going out beating up Nina. I was like, no, nah, no, nah, you're sick, you're sick. Ow! rubbing his kidneys, giving him noogies. I'm not saying that I want all animals to never be healed, but it's a weird... These stories have an innate thing in them where it is a beautiful story about a guardian angel or aliens curing diseases. We come across those stories. Again, they're not super common. They're quite rare. But they happen. You could write probably a couple books, but... On the on those accounts, those, but over the course of time, there are a minute amount of people who are healed through alien interference or angelic interference, if you want to go through that thing. I find it fascinating. It's an uplifting story, but it really makes you think, what about everyone else? And that's the big question. I, and there's, you know, questions like, what was this thing? <laughs> I mean, that is a big question as well. What was this thing? But I step back and I think, I'm glad that Nina got another year. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad that this family got to experience another year with this dog that they love so much. It's just an interesting question to think about why Nina at that moment, why? And I don't know. I'm glad that it happened. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad that it happened, but it is a puzzle. It is a puzzle. I think stories like this can give someone hope while they're in the middle of watching the health of a loved one decline. They can go, I've heard stories of miracles before. I know that you can be saved. I've read books and seen movies about people miraculously being cured. And you can, these stories can give you hope in the midst of someone being sick, maybe even your own sickness. But once that person has passed away, these stories almost feel like a grim reminder 
that while some, and I'm not, I'm, I'm very careful with my choice of words. I'm not saying this is true, but I could see somebody taking away from this type of event that while some people in the universe are special, we aren't the special ones. We weren't saved. We didn't have our life just completely, all the bad stuff in our life wiped away, shifted to another universe. The person we love so much, watching them fade away day after day, miraculously spring back to life. I've read stories about that. I've seen books about that, documentaries, everything. Those people were so special. They were graced by this infinite power. I guess I'm just not special enough. I guess I'm not worth the universe coming to cure. I guess I'm nothing. I mean, that's not true. I want to be very, very clear about this. That's not true. Um, tomorrow's episode, I was supposed to read a suicide letter. <laughs> I'm supposed to read a suicide letter and analyze that. I don't know if I'm doing that episode. These might be too hard back to back. Um, but yeah, I'm just saying you could take that away. I'm not saying that is true about me or you or anything, but I could see people... Or am I wrong? I'd actually like to hear some feedback on this one. Maybe I'm looking too into it. Maybe I'm delving too deep into the ramifications maybe i don't know i don't know but i love the story i don't like the ramifications of that can be pulled out of it but a fascinating story nonetheless deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address you can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio tiktok is at deadrabbitradio deadrabbitradio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast you don't have to listen to it every day but i'm glad you listened to it today 